Mike, you have two brothers. Are y'all pretty close? Yeah, sure, of course. But you don't live together now, right? You haven't lived together your entire life, have you? No, no, we all, we grew up, we moved on, we moved on with our lives. Same here. I don't live with my brother, but that's not true for today's subjects, the Collier Brothers. And we should say right here at the top that this one, as well as being kind of peculiar, is also pretty sad. Indeed. Homer and Langley Collier were two American brothers who have become infamous for their bizarre natures and compulsive hoarding. They lived together for decades in Harlem in the first half of the 20th century. Homer was born on November 6th, 1881, his birthday's coming up, and Langley followed on October 3rd, 1885. Their father, named Herman Collier, was a gynecologist in New York City. Their mother was Herman's first cousin, Susie Frost, who was an opera singer. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Cousins. Mm, Okay, well, um, anyway, the Collier brothers claimed that their ancestors had traveled to America from England on the Fortune, a ship that arrived in Massachusetts a year after the Mayflower in 1621. Their mother was descended from the Livingstons, a New York family with roots going back to the 18th century. Robert Livingston was the first of the Livingston family to immigrate to America in 1672, some 52 years after the Mayflower. So this is all a little bit fuzzy. Yeah, it's a little confusing. But this we do know. The brothers had an older sister named Susan who died in 1880 at just four months of age. Not much else is known about their childhood years. Both Homer and Langley attended Columbia University. Homer obtained a degree in admiralty law, while Langley studied engineering and chemistry. Wait, was Homer a lawyer for pirates? Well, I mean, he had the degree for it. (laughs) Amazing. Langley was also an accomplished concert pianist. He played professionally for a time and performed at Carnegie Hall. In 1909, uh, Dr. Herman Collier, their their dad, moved the family into a four-story brownstone in Harlem. At this point, the brothers were in their late 20s, but both still living at home. Millennials, am I right? Hmm. Herman was a bit of an eccentric. When scheduled to work at City Hospital on Blackwell's Island, he would often be spotted commuting by canoe. Well, it's an efficient mode of travel, right? (laughs) You haven't got to get around the streets. You can just go straight over the river. It's easy. Around 1919, Herman Collier and Susie Collier separated. Dr. Collier moved to a new home, but Homer and Langley stayed with their mother, Susie. Four years later, Herman died, leaving all of his possessions, including items from his medical practice, to his sons, the brothers. Susie died in 1929, leaving the brothers all of her possessions as well as the Harlem Brownstone. After their mother's death, the Collier brothers continued to live together in the Harlem Brownstone that they inherited. For the next four years, the brothers socialized with others and left their home on a regular basis. Homer continued to practice law. I'm just going to assume for pirates, by the way, like in my mind, pirate lawyer. 100%. Yep, 100%. While Langley worked as a piano dealer, and they both taught Sunday school at Trinity Church, as they had done so for years. And I look forward to like us finding out that admiralty law has absolutely nothing to do with boats in any way, right? Like It's just like a completely different thing that's going to be amazing. Uh, in 1933, Homer lost his eyesight due to hemorrhages in the back of his eyes. Langley quit his job to care for his brother, and the two began to withdraw from society. All right, so the scene is set. 
It's time to kick things up a notch. But before we do, let's thank Squarespace for their support of this show. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They'll let you easily create the website that you have for your next idea or budding project. With a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, they will let you do whatever you need. Whether you want to create a store, blog, site for your business, or just about any website at all, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They are the all-in-one platform. They have 24-7 support, and you can sign up for a free trial just go to squarespace.com and when you sign up for a plan use the code ungenius for 10 percent off squarespace plans start at 12 dollars a month but you get that 10 percent off when you use the code ungenius at checkout squarespace make your next move make your next website as time progressed the brothers became fearful due to changes in the neighborhood the largely upper class area changed dramatically due to the economic effects of the great depression As rumors about the brothers' unconventional, we'll go with that, lifestyle, spread throughout Harlem, crowds began to congregate outside their home. After teenagers threw rocks at their windows, they boarded them up and wired the doors shut. This all, of course, added to a growing whirlwind of rumors that the home contained valuables and large sums of money. Several people attempted to break in. To counteract this, Langley used his engineering skills to construct booby traps and tunnels among the collection of items and trash that filled the house. The house soon became a maze of boxes, complicated tunnel systems, consisting of junk and trash rigged with tripwires. In addition to this rather upsetting hobby, Langley spent the majority of his time tinkering with various inventions, such as a device to vacuum the inside of pianos and a Model T Ford adapted to generate electricity. He also attended to his brother Homer as his health declined. Langley later told a reporter that he fed and bathed his brother, read him classic literature as he could no longer see, and played the piano for him. Langley concocted a diet for his brother consisting of 100 oranges a week, black bread, and peanut butter, claiming that this regimen was curing Homer's blindness. I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound like a good plan. No, in fact, Homer became paralyzed due to inflammatory rheumatism, but he refused to seek professional medical treatment because both brothers distrusted doctors. I sense some father issues there. No doubt. Langley began venturing out of the house only after midnight, and he would walk miles all over the city to get food, sometimes going as far as Williamsburg, Brooklyn, to buy as little as a loaf of bread. He would also pick food out of the garbage and collect food that was going to be thrown out by grocers and butchers to bring back to the house. Neighbors and shopkeepers in the area described Langley as a generally polite and rational man. His appearance was disheveled as he sported a droopy mustache, wore a 1910 boating cap, and his tattered clothes were held together by pins. Homer, however, was not seen outside by anyone after losing his vision. When he caught neighbors attempting to peek into their windows from a neighboring home, Langley bought that property for $7,500 in cash. That's one way to solve the problem. It's interesting, right, that he was foraging for food, basically, but mm-hmm. was sitting on an absolute pile of money in $1910, right? It's yeah. madness. Uh, a small fire broke out in the home in 1941, but Langley refused to let firemen who extinguished the fire to see or even speak to his brother. Over time, the Collier Brothers' brownstone obviously fell into disrepair. Their telephone, electricity, water, and gas were all eventually turned off after the brothers failed to pay their bills. 
They took to warming the large house using only a small kerosene heater. For a time, he attempted to generate electricity by means of that Model T we talked about, but it really wasn't that successful. Langley would go fetch water from a pump in nearby parks. The brothers made the news several times. In 1938, a story about their refusal to sell the home to a real estate agent for $125,000 appeared in the New York Times. The Times repeated information about the brothers' hoarding and also repeated neighborhood rumors that the brothers lived in some sort of Orientalist splendor and were sitting (laughs) on piles of cash, afraid to deposit it in a bank. Of course, these rumors weren't strictly true, so hashtag fake news. After that article, Helen Warden, a reporter from the New York World-Telegram, became interested in the brothers and interviewed Langley for what would later become a book. They made news again in 1939, when workers from the Consolidated Edison forced their way into the house to remove two gas meters that had been shut off in 1928. As you might imagine, a large crowd of curious onlookers gathered for the routine call. In 1942, the New York Herald Tribune interviewed Langley. In response to a query about the bundles of newspapers that were kept in the brothers' home, Langley replied, I am saving newspapers for Homer, so that when he regains his sight... He can catch up on the news. You know, that makes me really sad. Like it's, it's super clear that Langley like, deeply cared for and loved his brother. Yeah, I agree. I think the problem is it was maybe a little too much. Yeah, yeah. In 1942, the Bowery Savings Bank began eviction procedures and sent a cleanup crew to the home. Langley began yelling at the workers, prompting the neighbors to summon the police. When the cops attempted to force their way into the home by smashing down the front door, they were stymied by a sheer wall of garbage and other items piled from floor to ceiling. They eventually found Langley in a clearing he made in the middle of the debris. Without comment, Langley made out a check for $6,700, paying off the mortgage, which was in arrears, with a single payment. That's like a hundred grand of today's money. It's crazy. But they turned down $125,000. Yeah. Hmm. Really, really just wild. On March 21st, 1947, an anonymous tipster who identified himself only as Charles Smith phoned the police and insisted there was a dead body in the house. The caller claimed that the smell of decomposition was emanating from the property. As the police were used to calls from neighbors about the Collier brothers' home, a patrol officer was dispatched. The responding officer initially had a difficult time getting into the house, as you may imagine. Yeah. An emergency squad of seven men eventually had no choice but to begin pulling out all of the junk that was blocking their way and throwing it out onto the street below. The Brownstones foyer was packed solid by a wall of old newspapers, folding beds and chairs, half a sewing machine, boxes, parts of a wine press and numerous, numerous other pieces of junk. After five hours of digging, Homer's body was found. He was wearing a tattered blue and white bathrobe, and his matted gray hair reached to his shoulders, and he was sitting with his head resting on his knees. The medical examiner confirmed Homer's identity and said that the elder brother had been dead for approximately 10 hours. According to the medical examiner, Homer died from starvation and heart disease. Police initially suspected that Langley was the man who phoned in the anonymous tip regarding his brother's death and then theorized that he fled the house before police arrived. However, when Langley failed to show for his brother's funeral, they began to suspect that he too may have died. After the discovery of Homer's body, rumors began circulating that Langley had been seen aboard a bus heading for Atlantic City, 
but a manhunt never uncovered him. While reports of Langley sightings led police to a total of nine states, digging continued in the Harlem house. All the while, police and workmen continued the search for him inside the property as well. More than 84 tons of junk were removed from the brownstone. Then, on April 8, 1947, a workman found the body of Langley Collier 10 feet from where Homer had died. He was found in a two-foot-wide tunnel lined with rusty bed springs and a chest of drawers. The medical examiner determined that Langley had died around March 9th, some two weeks before Homer. Police theorized that Langley was crawling through the tunnel to take food to his paralyzed brother when he inadvertently tripped a booby trap that he had created and was crushed by falling debris. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really just sad. All in all, 120 tons of debris and junk were removed from the home. Here's a list of some of the contents from Wikipedia. Baby carriages, a doll carriage, rusted bicycles, old food, potato peelers. A collection of guns, glass chandeliers, bowling balls, camera equipment, the folding top of a horse-drawn carriage, a sawhorse, three dressmaking dummies, painted portraits, photos of pinup girls, plaster busts. Hope chests, rusty bed springs, a kerosene stove, a child's chair, more than 25,000 books, human organs pickled in jars, eight live cats, the chassis of the old Model T Langley had been tinkering with. Tapestry hundreds of yards of unused silk and other fabric, clocks, 14 pianos, two organs, banjos, violins, bugles, accordions, a gramophone, and records. Countless bundles of newspapers and magazines, some of them decades old, thousands of bottles, tin cans, and of course, a great deal of garbage. Ooh. 14 pianos. It's impressive. That's my favorite. 14 mm-hmm. pianos. Some of these items were, of course, picked up by the public. The chair in which Homer Collier died passed into the hands of private collectors upon being removed from public exhibit in 1956. The house itself was falling apart and was eventually demolished by the city. The cumulative estate of the Collier brothers was valued at $91,000 or about $1.2 million today. Wow. Obviously, this is a sad story. It's heartbreaking. You know, the tale of these two brothers, one caring for the other, uh, the caretaker dying, and then the, the sick one dying. It's it's all very sad, but you can see why the story has stuck around, right? That there's there's intrigue. There's this this Langley fellow who all the neighbors and people in the, in the neighborhood who actually interact with him say he's a nice guy and he's respectful, but then he leads this life that's really hard to explain. It's really a story that I think has really stood the test of time. I think it was something people won't forget anytime soon. Uh, well, thank you to Per for sending this in. Uh, if you have show topic suggestions for us, you can get in touch. Uh, you can send us an email at relay.fm slash ungenius. You can find uh, links to articles about these brothers uh, on that website as well. You can get in touch on Twitter. The show is at ungenius. Mike is I-M-Y-K-E, and you can find me there as I-S-M-H. Until our next booby-trapped hallway, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.